0: everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Dennis Joyce from the Alliance of Angels. Welcome, Dennis. It's great to have you.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here.
0: So tell us about your investing focus. How does the um, Alliance work? What is the focus and what size investments do you like to make?
1: The Alliance of Angels is uh, the largest angel investing uh, network in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We have a rotating membership of um, roughly 145 members. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Probably about 10 times as many people have come in and out of the organization and are connected to the network. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very, very vibrant community. We meet once a month. Um, We, typically screen roughly 35 businesses per month, um, some mm-hmm. of them first and second time um, applicants. And then what we do is we um, run the top seven through a uh, vigorous screening process, and then we meet, uh, we invite our top three or four companies to our monthly luncheon. Um, and mm-hmm. then from there, the, uh, the companies present. And our investors will break out based upon interest and perform due diligence on the companies that they that each individual member is interested in tracking. Um, yeah. So it's very much a member-led uh, process, and um, it's kind of decentralized. So um, it provides each member an opportunity to get deal flow, but then to make individual decisions and write their individual checks. We are yep. all um, accredited investors, and we're all adults, so we um, we we collaborate with each other, but then we think independently.
0: And what sized investments does the group like to make?
1: Well, typically, uh, a successful round will be a company that is raising in between maybe five hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars so it's sort of your first uh institutional investing work Uh, Mm -hmm. it's usually a company that has uh has a team in place that is doing it full time that needs to raise some money to get their product out to market and get some sales and they need uh some some finance to to really kind of fuel their next um uh, 12 to 18 months of operation. And that's, that's a good fit for us because we want to work with a company that is, you know, operational and working on it, not just, you know, theoretical. And we want to be able to provide as much um, help and resources as the company needs in order to get to the next level.
0: And what um, validation do you want to see in the ones that you do choose to invest in? Are you looking for customers? Are you looking for pre-customers, revenue, pre-revenue? What is the sweet spot?
1: Uh, for me personally or for the Alliance?
0: For the Alliance?
1: Well, the Alliance is typically looking, um, you know, as, as investors, we are balancing, you know, thousands of of uh, 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 patterns or we're trying to match uh, different sort of patterns and you know there are what I lo- what I think of is risk factors I when I look at a company I'm sort of balancing all the different ways that this um, company is going to run into problems and I'm looking for the founder of the company to show me that they are um, capable of mitigating these risk factors one by one. So it's Mm -hmm. not, I'm not necessarily, uh, when I'm looking at a business plan, I'm, I'm trying to fit the, the idea into its marketplace. And then I'm trying to say, okay, well, there here are the risk factors in that marketplace. How is this founder going to tackle that? Are they going to charge enough money to make a living at this? Are is it um, easy for them to acquire customers? Uh, are is this a huge marketplace where they're capable of making you know uh ten fifteen twenty fifty million dollars in revenue uh, per year you know i'm I'm looking at those types of i'm looking at those types of um, opportunities and then risk factors and trying to see if uh, we can kind of make sense of them and um you know in that place i'm looking for companies that are going to be able to get um, lots of revenue. I'm looking for a team that's capable and have deep domain experience. And I'm looking for um, a huge revenue opportunity because I think those three drivers are going to take a company very far.
0: So going back to my question, in terms of stage of validation, what is the sweet spot? Do you, are you looking to see customers already in place are you looking to see revenue already in place before you are willing to write the check
1: well yeah definitely we're we're looking for we're looking to see as many customers lined up um you know a founder has to um really know their space from a sales perspective so a lot of the best business plans are the ones where the sales and marketing team have lined up customers, have created inroads for their first set of customers, um, have validated the product a little bit from a sales perspective. And, you know, we really need it, – it's kind of a – a, we're sort of constantly driving towards more sales. A lot of times we see, we see companies that don't have any customers lined up and – that's a huge risk. So, you know, you you need to constantly be working towards mitigating that risk all the time. Um, I wouldn't say that there's one like moment where you're like, aha, that's, that's my signal to invest. But we're always looking for the teams that have an understanding, a deep, deep domain understanding of like their product and their customers and what those customers are willing to pay for it. And the best ones are the ones that are constantly trying to drive sales constantly trying to drive um, revenues, trying to charge a lot of money for the product that's like a big thing for me because I think a lot so of So you
0: like b two b deals that are larger ticket items if I'm hearing you right?
1: No, that's not necessarily the case i uh it doesn't for me um it doesn't really matter what um industry it is what type of um, product it is, what type of marketplace. I don't really, I'm kind of agnostic in terms of that. What I'm interested in is, you know, the the unit sales and the cost to acquire customers, how difficult it is, the sales cycle, how long that is, the ability for the sales team to understand their marketplace and their vertical. Those are the things that I'm looking for. I'm not, I don't have like a, a one sort of, uh, an area that I focus my investing.
0: But you, but you just said that you want people to be charging a lot for what they're selling. And that typically tends to be the B2B deals and especially B2B yeah. enterprise deals.
1: I mean, in some areas, but I mean, I've invested in a, um, I've invested in companies that, uh, are, uh, consumer products as well. So I don't really have a necessary, um, you know, uh, area for me, I'm I'm not your typical uh, tech investor. I'm I'm an I'm an angel investor. I'm an investor, so I I'm I'm really agnostic in terms of product area.
0: Okay, and um, geographically, you invest all over the Pacific Northwest, northwest, or do you also invest outside of the Pacific Northwest?
1: The Alliance of Angels is uh, focused primarily on the Pacific Northwest, so we look at deals coming out of. Uh, Portland, Seattle, um, and up north to Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, We Mm -hmm. get uh, inbound um, deals from um, places like eastern Washington, so that would be Spokane or Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, But our primarily focus would be Seattle-based companies. um, Mm -hmm. And me personally, I focus my attention almost entirely on Seattle-based companies. I will syndicate from time to time a deal outside of uh, Pacific Northwest, but it's very, very rare.
0: Okay. And um, what do you see? You said you see 35 deals a month. So if you look at your last 15 months of deal flow, what trends do you see? And by the way, we are, um, our community is all technology and technology-enabled services. So if you could focus on the technology trends, that would be great.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, well, a lot of the trends that I'm sort of seeing, um, you know, kind of uh, disappoint me sometimes. I think that there is, uh, there has been, uh, you know, a movement or we see a, a lot of products in the software as a service space, uh, products that automate certain functions within, like, an enterprise Um uh, products that provide like a dashboard of like oversight into certain areas of an enterprise that helps them optimize, which I think are like very, very valuable and could be um, you know helpful for an acquirer. Uh, my My question usually with these companies is, is how much are you charging? how How costly is it to acquire customers? How long does it take to drive sales? Those are some questions that I'm asking whenever I when I, when I see some of these kind of pure pure uh, purebred SaaS plays.
0: Talk about your current portfolio. What have you invested in? What are some of the highlights? And how do you decide in those particular cases? What was it that caught your attention?
1: Um, well, some of my highlights. Uh, I, I recently had a company acquired by Nordstrom called Bevy Up which um, mm-hmm. provided a co-shopping um, uh, solution for small businesses. And now, um, and you know, one of their top clients was Nordstrom. I thought that in that case, the product was a very, very um, valuable sort of uh, um, um, tool for an enterprise such as Nordstrom. And, you know, we, we really hit the nail in the head on that one. For me, the team. And what did
0: it do? From a clothes shopping point of view, what did it do?
1: It allowed um, the sales representatives from a place like Nordstrom to work with their customers um, in a shared shopping cart um, capacity. Um, So it was like uh, it was a it was it was a co-shopping platform. And okay. uh, it was acquired two weeks ago by Nordstrom. So, it was a, And when was- it
0: came to you, what did they have? When, did, when you invested in the company, what did they have?
1: Well, they had a very simple software platform and a vision for um, co-shopping and e-commerce um, world. Did they have customers? And, um, they had, uh, yeah, they did have a pilot in place with uh, a jewelry company called Zales. So I thought that was a very valuable sort of early... um, Validation. Yeah, early market validation of the product. They were able to nail uh, Nordstrom and a few other sort of smaller e-commerce plays. So I thought that when they came to me, they were very, very early. They were bootstrapped, um, and they were uh, just a very uh, competent, focused team. And I thought that, you know, with the exception of Amazon... They had a whole sort of uh, frontier of potential uh, customers, and mm-hmm. um, and and so uh, you know the, the team was able to execute. They were they were able to be very lean. Um, they didn't raise a lot of money, and then when they were able to find an acquisition that you know uh, provided investors with um, an exit, you know they took it. And I think that that was like a very intelligent, smart. Um, move for the leadership because it gave us our investment back in a in a reasonable time frame and we were very very happy with the team it was a it was a great result all the way around
0: and what uh, was the um, entire life cycle of this company when uh, from the time it started to the acquisition how many years was it
1: uh, I think it was about four years uh, I think it was in, incorporated in uh, in 2013. So four and a half mm-hmm. years. So okay. know, for me, that was, it was one of my first, um, angel investments and, uh, in this space. And, you know, for it, it it, it was, uh, it was kind of like my, uh, it was like the graduation of my, uh, yeah,
0: my first, yeah it's uh, great. You
1: know,
0: um, what, uh, what was the total amount of capital the company raised?
1: Uh, I think that they raised, um, uh, under five million. And under I five million. The, and I don't think that the terms with Nordstrom have been um, disclosed. Uh, so, I mean, um, I, I think you'd have to sort of read it, read about it in the publications, you know, GeekWire, et cetera. Um, has yeah. Been, um, uh, writing so this is actually
0: an interesting segue into a trend question that I wanted to ask you. Um, we are in 2018, and lots of stuff have already been built. Nowadays, there aren't so many wide-open opportunities out there to build these you know, billion-dollar companies. There are, there are opportunities to build billion-dollar companies, but the, compared to the amount of capital and the number of investors who are chasing those opportunities, I don't think we're not going to have five, six 600, um, 700 of those opportunities. It's going to be a limited number of those opportunities, but there are many, many niche opportunities. Some of these businesses need to be built for small amounts of capital, under five million dollars worth of capital, and, and sold for, you know, again, a reasonable exit. Most of the exits that happen in the the industry are under fifty million dollar exit price deals. So if you build a company for under five million and sell the company for under fifty million, that is still a very reasonable investment with good return on investment for the investors, good, um, you know, good money-making opportunities, wealth creation opportunities for the entrepreneurs. So those are healthy deals. Right. It sounds like that is something that you are interested in. Is that, is that true about you personally, or is it true about the entire alliance?
1: Um, well, you know, it's good to get some of those results in. I think for, in the case of um, you know, a software platform, Selling into the enterprise um, there you know when you if you find out that there is kind of like a long sales cycle and uh, if you feel like the acquirers are really trying to uh, drive down the valuation when they want to acquire you you know it's important to really just kind of like take your shots and then if if that looks like that this is like your perfect opportunity for an acquisition I think you can take that Um, as an investor I mean I I, I think that there are there are so many opportunities out there that you know in certain spaces. Yeah, um, we've seen a lot of like uh, um, you know we we see a very very uh, a full marketplace in certain areas of tech. However, I do not think we are even at the earliest phases of what we need to do as a society in order to grow. Um, Some of the companies that I'm looking at are in, um, you know, robotics software technology, using Mm -hmm. robots to do very, very difficult and dangerous jobs so that when we are, you know, doing uh, space exploration or using robotics technology in in areas like agriculture or, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, areas that are very, very labor intensive and very difficult, you want to think about, like, where will we be in 40 years when we're using Um, AI and robotics technology to do difficult and dangerous and hard to do and labor-intensive jobs So those are some areas that like I don't think we even we are way behind in development and technology. I I think that in um, Mechanization in the United States. We are like we've sort of fallen behind because everything is now sort of built in China um, or in um, some of the frontier technology so I, I mean I have a company right now that is building out a factory and it's very time-consuming because we've almost lost that art in America mm-hmm. of actually yes. schooling up a company in order to develop something in America. Um, so, yeah. you know, we have, to, we have a lot of work to do. I don't think that we are, you know, uh, we are filled up under any circumstances. In fact, like, I'm just sitting there sometimes going, we are late for what we need as a society to move forward. We have to keep on going and going and going and going and pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and then I think that there's a whole segment of society whose voice is not heard at all. And that would be, you know, minority businesses and women le- women's-led businesses. You know, we, we haven't given a voice to these people hardly at all. There's very few women female investors. There's very few uh, founders uh, of, you know, um, African-American descent and investors of African-American descent and other minority groups in America that get their money. So I'm very, very passionate about inclusion um, and really listening to entrepreneurs and innovators of minority um, groups because we're not not even close to having a balanced ecosystem in tech for um, these types of entrepreneurs.
0: So given what you just said, um, and if you then look back on the deal flow that you have seen, um, I, I have no doubt that you're seeing, especially given your geography is a specific Northwest, I'm sure there's a lot of robotics and AI stuff going on. I know that for a fact from our work. Um, but I have a different question, which is slightly um, off center, actually. Um, you know, we obviously we are at a time in history where there is a huge number of people who are unhappy and struggling and um you know under tremendous stress their livelihoods are going away because of a lot of the things that we are doing with technology and so forth are you seeing deal flow that have interesting concepts in addressing some of their pain
1: um so could you maybe give me an example
0: i don't know i'm asking you to give me an example
1: um yeah uh you know, we see we see interesting, like, products all the time that are addressing kind of like social issues. You know, one of the ones we, uh, we've had at the Alliance of Angels is, like, an app that um, helps with, um, like, drug addiction and um, uh, smoking uh, cessation. You know, that's kind of an interesting concept, using software to help with those types of um, issues, if that's what I'm sort of hearing. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, like, with mechanization or with... Uh, robotics technology, you know, we, we, we do have, uh, uh, yeah, I have a, a company right now that's using real estate technology to help with the issue of affordable housing in some of our cities in America. And, you know, yep. that's kind of like, that's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a big problem It re- requires a lot of thinking and, you know, um, other, we see other technologies that are, uh, or companies that are.
0: How what technology uh, addresses affordable housing? Is it building technology? Or are we talking about building technology or finding affordable housing technology?
1: Uh, building technology. So I have building technology. One is a one is a software company that um, helps with um, uh, helps real estate developers find um, great plots of land to develop products using AI. Um, I have another company that's in my portfolio that provides um, temporary housing solutions or, you know, factory built housing solutions, which uh, is geared towards tackling um, some of the affordable um, housing issues. Now we're not, we're not, we're not solving this problem, you know, overnight. This is a long-term problem. This is a long-term issue. But, you know, I think that as, as an investor, these are things that are very, very important to me. It, you know, I'm, I'm I'm, always looking at, like, where, not where do we need to be now. I'm, I'm thinking, where will we be or where should we be in 40 years? Because that's sort of the time frame I think about when I'm looking at an investment.
0: Well, and in that time frame, my read is that if you're going to have a gigantic, um, you know, sustainability problem when it comes to jobs and livelihood and what happens to this huge population of people who, you know, don't really have a sustainable livelihood in this wake of tremendous automation. What happens to these people? And and I'm very curious about ideas that people, you know, entrepreneurs are thinking about to address and mitigate that enormous suffering that is coming is already here, which is why we have phenomenon like the kinds of elections we're having.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's something we're you know, I'm, I'm thinking about and we're working towards for me. Automation is, you know, you still, you still need humans to, um, to sort of, uh, control the automation, if you will. Um, you know, in the companies that I'm, I'm working with, uh, the ones that are really thinking about automation, they have to hire a lot of people to work at that company that is actually automating so it's
0: maybe now but not in the horizon that you're talking about in 40 years that's not going to be the case there will be some but not not like you know if you look at Foxconn for instance they had 150,000 people and they got rid of 60,000 people and replaced them with robots that's that's an enormous displacement right uh
1: definitely and um you know i need to think about that a little bit more um you know, I, I, well, if it's a topic that
0: interests you, look at my Man and Superman series on the One M by One M blog, and you will find lots of food for thought. And feel free to engage, and I'll be happy to dialogue with you on the blog. And if you feel like writing, you know, op-eds on the topic, we'll be happy to publish.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. That
0: sounds awesome. All right. Well, that's great. Um, I think we've got a sense of what, um, what you're looking to do, what you are interested in doing, and what you are doing. Do you want to add anything as, uh, as parting comments to the inve- uh, entrepreneur community that, uh, that is listening to you?
1: Well, I would. I, I think that, you know, uh, um, as investors, you know, I'm a, I'm a person, uh, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. Investors are great investors. Uh, and I believe I'm a great investor, are optimists almost to a fault. So, you know, when I see um, problems in society, I look to try to see how we can fix those because I'm a very optimistic person. And, you know, um, what I, the advice I would say to entrepreneurs and people that are interested in innovation and tech is, is like, when you see problems, when you see things that occur to you as important – things that you want to see in life um you know try to see if you can solve those problems because i think the greatest ideas that we have are the ones that occur to an individual as important and then they go after it and they try to solve that problem and they try to build a team to tackle those types of issues so you know i think that um that's why i'm a a big believer in this space and I'm a big believer in the in, in providing opportunities for entrepreneurs that are looking to
0: you know really make
1: a difference in the world
0: all right on that note, thank you for uh, joining the show today and uh, listeners, thank you for uh, listening. please uh, be sure to stop by at one of our uh, weekly mentoring roundtables. They are available pretty much usually on Thursday mornings sometimes on other days, but look on the website, 1mby1m.com, under free public roundtables, and we'll be happy to work with your venture and uh, your strategic issues. And um, keep looking um, at the podcast list and tuning in for more perspectives from investors, entrepreneurs, and the entrepreneurship ecosystem in general. Thank you for coming today.